welcome to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. Our subject for tonight is community. Community. Now, when you hear the word community, what does that word mean to you? This would be a time for you to verbally say something. <laughs> Do what? Togetherness? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What else? What else would you say? Yes, sir. Yeah, an environment where you feel like you belong and that you can communicate. Yeah. Somebody else said something over here? Yes, sir. Yeah, you share something with them. Yeah. You know, when I think about community, I think about, okay, we're working together, right? We're, we're in it together. We might even be holding hands. We, we're, we're doing it together. We're doing the, we're doing the project together, right? And, and we see throughout the Bible that there are instances specifically where community is shown and exemplified. And one of those places we're going to look at tonight is found in Acts chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Now, while you're turning there, you, you ought to know, I think, three key things, okay? One of those uh, is found in another document that I, that I gave you, and that is an integration of the New Testament, okay? You may have seen something like this before, or you may not, but basically what it is, is it kind of helps us to see a timeline on where the book of Acts fits into the New Testament church, okay? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look at the Bible and I look at the New Testament, I think, okay, when, when Jesus was alive... The first book that was about his life was Matthew, so it must have been written the earliest. But yet, if we, if we look at the way the church lays out and the way history lays out, that's, that's not necessarily the case. What we want to understand is that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were Gospels written about Jesus, and, and in truth... Uh, they really should have kind of laid this out where it falls under the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts begins with the ascension of Jesus, right? He, he, he challenges His disciples to be His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. That's Acts 1.8. And then the Bible tells us that He goes up into heaven. So that's probably about 30 A.D. Okay, well, as you make your way across in the book of Acts, just think through the fact that it's probably about 25 to maybe 30 years of history. Okay, so as we look at the book of Acts, and as you're working through that book, 
understand that other books in the Bible were written while the book of Acts is going on, okay? So that's why I give that to you. So think about it as, hey, this is kind of a, a history book, but it's got some really cool history about the development of what you and I would call the New Testament church, okay? That's the first thing. Now the second thing is, in, in Acts chapter 4, in verse 32, which is where we're going to start, the followers of Christ are, are called the full number of those who believed. They don't refer to them as the church, they refer to them as the full number of those who believed. Do you see that uh, in verse 32? you see that? Let's go to the next slide. See, it says here, now the full number of those who believed. They don't say the church yet. They call them the full number of those who believed. All right, That's an important statement for you to know because it sets us up for actually the last verse that we look at, which isn't on the slide, and that is verse 11 of chapter 5 says, And great fear came upon the whole church. This is the first time in the book of Acts that word church is mentioned. Okay, now I don't know about you, but in my mind I think, well, why didn't they bring up this word church when, when people start coming to know Christ? I don't know that I've got the full answer for that. I, I just want you to understand that we have this evolving of how Christians were referred to. And at this point, in chapter 4, verse 32, they are referred to as the full number of those who are following Christ. Okay? Now, that, with that being said, we're talking about... What are we talking about tonight? Community. Man, good job, Ben. Way to go, dude. I'm so glad y'all got name tags. That, that's just, that, just, that just helps me out. Have you ever gone into a store and you start calling that person by their first name and they're going, dude, how do you know me? I love to do that, right? It just really messes... Admit, and then all of a sudden, after I've left, they go, oh, I got my name tag on. That's how this guy knows me. Yeah. So as I go through the night, you know, I, I may, uh, you may want to put your hand over your name tag so I can't call your name, right? So you'll be sitting here all night going, dude, this looks kind of weird. So then people look in from out there and they're going, why are all these people got their hands on their chest like that? Okay, we need to move on, right? All right, so we're talking about community, Correct. And, and so what I want to say to you, and I think the first thing we need to understand comes out of verse 32, and that is, community is strengthened when you are in spiritual agreement. Community is strengthened when you are in spiritual agreement. Now notice how the, how the passage says it. It says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Now, What's interesting here is it says all. What does all mean? It's a difficult question. Okay, it's not a trick. Everyone, yeah, yeah. All right, let's try, let's try this again. What does all mean? Man, y'all are awake. Way to go. All right, so, so he's talking to, just think about that. How many times have you gotten all to be in? Let me explain it this way. 
Uh, I have a daughter named Ashton, okay? She's 22. She just graduated uh, in May with her uh, bachelor's degree in, a, in uh, health and applied sciences, and now she's going to school in San Marcos uh, getting a degree in recreational therapy, okay? She calls me one night. Dad, you're not going to believe this. I said, what, Ash? What's going on? She said, Dad, I've, I've got to do this group project. And she said, i got these four people in my group, and we, were, we received the assignment a month ago. we got two weeks left, and Dad, I just found out one of our guys has done nothing. Have you been in one of those groups? Yeah, we all have, right? Yeah, you've been in there, and, and you sit down, and all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, they haven't done their work. So she's calling me, she's going, what am I going to do? Now, this daughter of mine, unlike me, is an overachiever, right? Okay, so, so she's, she's shooting for the 3-9 kind of deal, right? That's what she's after, and so she just panics or stresses out, right? So she's on the phone going, Dad, this guy has done nothing. And, and what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I, I said, well, Ash, I, I don't know. What do you think you ought to do? I'm trying to be a good parent, right? And so she says, I guess I'm going to have to do his work. I guess that's what I'm going to have to do. And so ultimately, that's kind of what she ends up doing. She ends up doing what this guy was supposed to do. Okay, Now that's one way. But have you ever been a part of another group project where it was like you got together, you made the assignments, and everybody did what they were supposed to do. You're shaking your head, Christian. Dude, I've never been a part of one of those. It'll happen. It'll happen. It's totally different when everybody does what they're supposed to do. In this particular case, what the text is telling us is that they, all of the believers... Not three out of the four, but all of them were one heart and one mind. That's pretty cool to imagine. And, and, and that's what we need to be striving for in, uh, in our relationship with Christ, in our gatherings, whether it's at the church or this gathering here, we ought to strive to be of one heart and mind. Now, what is it that, that brings us together? Well, it is the fact that we've accepted Christ and we are desiring to follow Him. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to go to a meeting uh, where people were there from all over the world. And as I sat down with them, there were some immediate connections, even though I did not know them, because we shared something in common. And it was the fact that we knew Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Have you ever done that? Have you ever sat down with somebody that was from somewhere else? You know, maybe they were from Oklahoma. You're from Texas. <laughs> but you began to talk to them, and you just sensed there was a commonality. And the more you talked and the more you unpacked it, the more you realize they're a follower of Christ. You see, that's what helps to create that. And that's what was going on with these folks. So you need to understand that community is strengthened when 
You're in spiritual alignment. Well, my time's running out. We've got to go to number two. Secondly, community is strengthened when you realize God owns everything. When you realize God owns everything. Now notice what it says in, in the second part of verse 32. It says, And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Can I tell you something? You and I think that we own stuff, but we really don't. My dad uh, and mom have a farm in Oklahoma. Actually, my dad does. My mother never goes to the farm, right? So my dad has this farm, and he has trees on the farm, and there's a lake on the farm, and we call it a tree farm because we're raising trees to sell. My dad thinks he owns this tree farm. There's not a loan on it. He's paid it off. He owns it. But the reality is, it ultimately belongs to God. What happens when my father and mother die? Who owns the tree farm? I'm an only child. What happens when I die? My four kids split the tree farm up and they own the tree farm. Well, really, they don't own it. They are stewards. They are managers. Steward's kind of a word. When was the last time you used the word steward? Never, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, Ben, how's that stewarding go? Hey, are you a steward? We don't use that word. That's a, that's, it's, it's an out-of-date word. But manager makes a lot more sense. What you find is that these folks understood that God owns everything. Can I help you to understand? You don't really own it. If you've got something, God has given you the privilege to manage and to steward it but you really don't own it. You like to think you do, but the truth is you don't. And there's a difference. When you and I think we own something, and then we lose it, we get really upset. We get really mad. But when we understand that we're a steward of it, it changes our mindset. And so you need to begin to think through that. And I would say to you that the community is strengthened when you and I realize that God owns everything. That you and I truthfully are managers. Number three, when community is strengthened, God's power is stronger. Now this is a little bit different statement it's not, it's not necessarily something to do to build community. It's more of a result. Does that make sense to you? That's why I stated it that way. When community is strengthened, God's power is stronger. Notice, notice how it comes out. In verse 33 it says, And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, the great power came... Because they were unified. 
right? They were working together. They were of one heart, one mind. They recognized that God had given them everything. They understood that God's power was a result of the unity. I don't know about you, but I like watching football. I like watching baseball. I never have understood basketball. I apologize. But when you think about sports or team sports, you recognize that good teams figure out a way to win. They can be down, they can be discouraged, but yet somehow they work together and they become successful and you've got this thing called synergy. Now that's not too old of a word, right? We, I actually used that, I know, in the last week or two. Through Christ, we experience this synergy and we're able to do things that on our own we couldn't. And according to the text, the text says that when community is strengthened, God's power is stronger. And and this passage bears that out. It says, With great power the apostles were giving their testimony the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then it says, And great grace was upon them all. Now, when you and I don't practice this oneness, when we want our own agenda to be the one that everybody follows, when we say, hey, we need to do this, and we really haven't consulted God, that's not promoting oneness. That's promoting Morgan. That's my name, right? That's promoting me. But when we say, what does God want us to do? We're beginning to pray and seek out what His direction is, and then we can do things that we could not imagine. And He's able to accomplish things in our lives that we could not imagine because we are one in heart, we recognize that God owns it, and so we experience His power in a way that we've not experienced it before. One writer said it this way, he said, you know what, every instance that he sees unity, he sees God's power being shown. Where there's not unity, His power is missed out on. These followers of Christ were experiencing that. Now, number four, community is strengthened when you give. Community is strengthened when you give. Look at, look at verse 34. This is pretty cool, actually. It says, There was not a needy person among them, For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. All right, now you need to understand something here. Are you familiar with the word commune? You know what that means, right? We envision this idea of we're all going to go to some place that's separate from everybody else. We're going to come together. We're going to live together. And as a part of this commune, uh, I'm going to say, Zach, you need, to, you need to bring all your stuff to us. And we're going to take charge of it. 
and it's not going to belong to you anymore. And, and, then, and then I'm going to say, Jordan, whatever you got, dude, you need to bring it. And, and you need to, Olivia, you need to sell all that you have. You need to sell that, that nice, new, cool car you got. And you need to give it to us. You see, that's what the commune would say. Okay? Now watch this. For these folks, they, they kept, in some cases, what they had, they sold as the need arose. In fact, if you read through the rest of the book of Acts, what you find is that some people kept their homes. They didn't, they didn't immediately sell them. They didn't immediately get rid of the land. But what they understood is there was, when there was a need to give, they were willing to give. What you and I need to understand is that we need to be willing to give. There are times in our lives where we will give something that, that we have. Uh, I asked uh, ask Maslin to help me out on a couple of things. Maslin works at our association, and, and uh, I said, you know, what would be some things that college students wouldn't want to give? This is what she said. Uh, so my question is this. Are you willing to share your Chick-fil-A fries with someone? Some of you are saying, there's no way. Alright, let's try one a little bit more serious. Are you willing to keep your iPhone 7 for a while longer instead of upgrading to have the newest and then give the money that you would have been paying out for that newer phone to the church? Are you willing to keep your slower laptop so you can help a friend out financially who's in a bind? Are you willing to keep that laptop that takes 45 seconds to boot up and yet the newest one out can boot up in 30? Or five. I'm sorry, I've got an old laptop. You see, the text here reminds us. Now let's go back to what we talked about earlier. And that is, we don't own it all. And we've got to be willing to give it. Now, what's interesting is, and we don't really have time to unpack it tonight. You'll do that in your group. But you're going to get two examples of people who gave. And, and out of that, let's go to the last slide. Community is strengthened when you live truthfully. And what you're going to see with these two examples in the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. In the end of chapter 4, this guy uh, named Joseph, the Levite, sells property and brings the proceeds and gives it to the church in the other case beginning in chapter 5 a couple named Ananias and Sapphira decide they're going to sell their property but they're going to keep back some of the profits so let's just say they they sold the property for a hundred and fifty thousand but they don't fully trust in God and they don't fully trust in the church 
And so what they, they say is, you know what, we need to keep 25000 for ourselves. But we're going to tell them that we sold the property for 125000 which is what they do, basically. As I looked at these two examples, I thought, that's what those really mean. They're talking about telling the truth. Have you ever had somebody lie to you? Have you ever been in a group and somebody said they were going to do this and they never did it? Or they were going to take this responsibility and they never did it? That's an example of when that happens, right? In this setting, in the church setting, you and I need to live truthfully. And that's what that's about as I think about it in regard to community. So let, let me go back over these again quickly. Community is strengthened when people live truthfully. Community is strengthened when you give. Community is strengthened when you realize God owns everything. Community is strengthened when you are in spiritual agreement. And then finally, when community is strengthened, God's power. goes on. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank You so much for these students. God, I thank You for what and who they represent. And that is our future. And Father, seeing their faces and seeing their interest just affirms to me that there is hope. God, I pray that they would institute these principles in their own lives. That they would recognize the importance of working together. God, that they would understand that ultimately they don't own their stuff. You do. God, that they would understand the importance of telling the truth and owning it when they don't. And God, may they have a heart that's willing to give and care. Because God, at the end of the day, we understand from what Your Word says to us that through the Holy Spirit, the power is insurmountable. And so God, we seek You. We seek Your power through Your Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.